Welcome to Reliability Matters, a podcast for the electronic assembly industry. Each episode covers topics related to reliability, best practices, and environmentally responsible assembly techniques with insights from experts across the electronic assembly industry. Now, here's your host, Mike Conrad. Welcome back to the Reliability Matters podcast. I'm so glad you're with me today. This is episode number 95. As I said in our previous episode, we're getting very close to episode number 100. For our 100th episode, we're going to do something a little bit different, something we've never done before. Our 100th episode will be broadcast live. It will be broadcast live on LinkedIn. You can follow me at the handle right here uh, and on the Reliability Matters YouTube channel on July 26th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. During that episode, we'll replay clips from several of our prior episodes and hear a few comments from some of our past guests. As we creep ever so close to episode number 100, I want to once again thank both my guests and my audience, uh, the viewers and listeners of this show. Uh, Without all of you, I would just be a talking head, and Lord knows we have too many of those these days. Don't worry if you can't make it to the live event. After we complete our live broadcast, the podcast will be uh, available on the usual podcast channels, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, all all the others, and on our Reliability Matters YouTube channel. So you'll have a uh, a chance to catch it uh, on demand after uh, the live event uh, broadcasts. As we all know, education is an important element within the electronic assembly industry. On today's episode, we're going to talk about education, not the broad education that a college or university provides, rather an industry-specific education. Universities graduate thousands of electrical engineering students every year. These students leave university with a degree and a broad knowledge of electrical engineering, Even with that knowledge, however, there's no guarantee that a newly graduated and hired engineer will know how to specify an adequate solder paste for a specific application. They may not understand solder paste mesh sizes, squeegee pressures, or the art of thermal profiling. They may not be aware of the numerous acronyms unique to our industry. Frequently, this education comes from on-the-job training. That's when a membership in an industry association and access to its technical resources becomes so valuable, both to the employee and to their employer. SMTA, the Surface Mount Technology Association, provides its members access to numerous technical resources, including more than 5,000 technical papers, scores of both live and on-demand technical webinars, technical conferences and, and symposiums, and process training courses, as well as certification programs. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. On this episode, we're going to talk about the certification programs that SMTA offers. SMTA offers its members access to two unique certification programs, the SMTA Processes Certification Program and the Lean Six Sigma Greenbelt Certification Program. On this episode of the Reliability Matters podcast, we'll talk to two of the creators of the SMTA certification courses, as well as two of its former students. So without any further ado, let's bring on our panel. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for uh, either being told or volunteering uh, to be guests on the show. I appreciate you being here. How are you all today? Amazing. Good, Mike. 
Thank you for inviting. Amazing. That's wonderful. That's a high bar. Amazing. I'm going Amazing. we're going to have to work to keep up with that. Um, first, let me uh, let me introduce everyone. I, I, I mentioned that we have two of the um, creators of the SMTA certification uh, course. Um, uh, let me introduce first Dr. Ron Lasky. As you may recall, if you watched this episode a couple of weeks ago, Ron was a guest uh, on my last episode of the Reliability Matters podcast, where he discussed uh, some of the books that he wrote and 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 one that he didn't write. Uh, Dr. Lasky is a senior um, technologist at Indium Corporation, as well as a professor of engineering at Dartmouth College. He, Dr. Lasky has more than 30 years of experience in electronics. It's hard to imagine since he's only 28 years old. Uh, right. And um, he has um, uh, 30 years of experience in electronics uh, at uh, uh, IBM and Universal Instruments and Cookson Electronics, and of course, his current gig at, uh, at Indium. Next, I'd like to welcome Jim Hall. Jim is the principal engineer, uh, principal SMT consultant, and resident Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt. I love that title. I just love the title Black Belt in anything, um, even if it's not on a rubber mat. It's pretty cool. Um, and he's with ITM Consulting. Jim is one of the pioneers of reflow technology and has been actively involved in electronic uh, elect in the electronic assembly technology for more than 26 years. Creeping up on creeping up on uh, Dr. Lasky. Jim's expertise lies in process development and integration, fluid and thermodynamics, and computer-controlled systems. Jim is also the co-host of CircuitNet's Board Talk. Um, speaking of Board Talk, Jim is the co-author, along with his partner in crime, uh, Phil Zaro, of the newly published book, Troubleshooting Electronic Assemblies, uh, Wisdom from the Board Talk Crypt, which is available on Amazon. And uh, uh, Dr. Lasky and I um, talked about that book on, on the last episode, if, if you recall. Uh, I'd also like to welcome two uh, SMTA certification course graduates, uh, Claire Hotvet uh, and Tom Watson. Claire works at Indium Corporation. Tom works for Kimball Electronics. That's a very long introduction, but welcome, everybody. Thanks again for being my guest on Reliability Matters. appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's begin with the inception of the certification courses. Where did the idea come from? What was its inspiration? I'll let uh, uh, Dr. Lasky or, or Jim Hall um, tackle that question. Why, why don't I start and then maybe Jim can chime in. So uh, it's about, I'd say, in the early 2001 timeframe where um, it occurred to Jim and I and Phil Zaro that in the many factories we visited in the world, which together I'm sure for the three of us is well over a hundred, that many of the process engineers often didn't know some of the basic things. And I think some of them you mentioned, Mike, like like uh, how to set up a reflow profile for a solder paste and how to time balance uh, the chip shooter with a flexible placer or how to design a stencil. So we talked to Joanne Stromberg uh, about when maybe it would be helpful if there was a uh, a program that that was a day and a half of of teaching the material, which we assume the students come to the class with some of the material, and then have a uh, pretty long um, uh, closed book test for a couple hours, then an open book test for a bit longer than that. And in 2002, we kicked it off at SMTAI, so it's 20 years ago. So maybe, maybe Jim can add a, a few points that I may have missed. Jim? Yes, I, I like to emphasize uh, what, what Ron said, that it's not an entry-level course. It's not a beginner's course. 
We expect people, some people come in knowing virtually all the material, depending upon their level of experience. But the most important thing is, is we cover the entire assembly um, processes, all of the process or most of the major process steps um, and allows people to fill in gaps um, where they haven't had specific training and get a basic level of understanding of, of the whole process. Excellent. Um, let's walk through the SMTA process certification course, starting with um, who's the in, who's the intended student? What types of people at what point in their career, what careers would they be in um, to get value out of this course? Maybe I'll take a stab at that and Jim can add in. Um, so, so we assume that the typical student would be have at least a two-year degree in some technical um, curriculum and have worked probably for something like at least six months and maybe a little longer than that and has the basic type of skills you would think an engineer would have, like was pretty comfortable with basic mathematics like algebra and geometry, no calculus, and has been around SMT assembly long enough that they, they know basic things. And uh, as Jim said, some people come to the class, you know, literally it's just sort of brushing up a little bit. And, and then there are others that really, uh, there are quite a bit they can learn in the workshop. So I, I think if, you're, um, if you've got a technical background and you've been in SMT for a while and you're capable of learning material, as Jim said, pretty much all that's on the exam is covered in the uh, workshop, but it's, it's a very, very fast. It's a lot of material and uh, I guess one other thing, the people that struggle typically are the ones that have trouble with the mathematics. And it's it's algebra and geometry. It's not beyond that, but some people struggle with that quite a bit. Not a lot of calculus in this in this. Uh, no, course. no calculus. Excellent. Yeah, no calculus. All right. Well, I might stand a chance. Um, you mentioned the, the prerequisite. You like to see at least a two-year, uh, like, associate's degree. Um, do you ever have anyone come to the course with maybe some um, – uh, on-the-job experience enough to uh, pass the course without a college degree, without a formal college degree? Yes, very much so. We have people who have, um, haven't, don't have much formal education but have been in um, electronic assembly for some period of time, 10 years or more in some cases, um, and have learned um, through in-house training and their own efforts. Uh, but this is, the, uh, this is more typical to people. Uh, the problem, as I alluded to before, is that they have gaps in their knowledge. Um, some things they just haven't had to work with in their specific work environment. So uh, we give them a ch this course gives them a chance to um, see how uh, that part of the process and get uh, the, the fundamentals. Right. You know, there's a such thing as, as you well know, uh, Ron, um, in your position as a professor, um, there is this, you know, mental atrophy that, that, that takes effect. If you're not using something every day, it tends to uh, slowly drift off into the sunset. Um, is there such thing as, and do you recommend um, preparing to take this course? And if there is uh, a recommendation to prepare to take the course, what would that preparation involve? Well, it's interesting because I'm, I'm giving a workshop with Indium Corporation on just that topic. Um, I, I would say the most important thing for people, uh, at least the thing people struggle with, is, is probably a review of algebra, solving simple algebraic equations uh, and, and not being, you know, something like uh, uh, 2x plus 7 equals 4x minus 3. To be able to solve that and not feel somewhat intimidated 
that that would really be helpful. And and of course, some people, uh, especially brand new college graduates that have like a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, to them the math is is really straightforward. But, but uh, at least in my experience, most of the people that do struggle struggle with the math. Right. Are most of the uh, students electrical engineers or mechanical engineers or just a combination of all sorts of things? I would say a combination of um, a lot of different skill levels, probably more towards the mechanical and industrial engineering than the uh, electrical engineering. Typical electrical engineers are people who would be designing the products, much more so whereas mechanical engineers, industrial engineers actually assemble products. I'll put you guys on the on the um, on the edge here uh, without preparation for this question. If if um, if we look at all the knowledge required to work on an SMT line effectively, uh, and say all the knowledge is one hundred percent, you have one hundred percent of that knowledge. Uh, when someone graduates uh, college or university, what percentage of all the required knowledge would you think? that uh, the average graduate would have. In other words, I, what I'm trying to get at is how much are you backfilling? Uh, how much are you adding to their education with, this, um, with these courses? Does that make sense, uh, yeah, that I, question? I, I, yeah, I, I think I have an opinion on that. If um, you take a brand new college graduate that's worked maybe six months on the assembly line and is curious, uh, he or she will probably do quite well. There will be things that they will learn uh, but I would say it's 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 not so much the knowledge that's that is a problem for people that struggle. It's their skill level. You know, can they pick up things quickly, especially things that relate to, as I mentioned, the the, the um, uh, algebra and, and a little bit of uh, uh, calc or not calculus, but uh, geometry. But um, it, it one of the things that I think surprises instructors like uh, Jim and I the most is that some people who have worked for quite a few years will come to the course and not know something like, you know, the pretty common solder we use is SAC 305, S-A-C 305. And um, often when I teach, I, I give a little pretest and I ask just to see where the, the students are asked. And that's one of the questions I usually ask is like, what does the S stand for in SAC 305? And, and what, how much silver is there? And I'm going to say less than half of people that come to um, any of the workshops or even a certification course that I teach uh, know some of these things that that you would think that they would know from working. And so I, I, I say the person that's going to do the best is a person that's pretty comfortable with algebra and has been curious, even if they've only worked for six months. When they pick up that jar of solder paste, they say, hey, this says SACS 305. I wonder what that means. I'll go ask Charlie. I've only been here a week, but I want to know what that means. And, and to know what like a type four solder paste is, that, what that means about the powder. And you mentioned that as your intro. That, that's kind of my experience. Yeah, I love working with curious people. Um, I, yeah. I've always been a curious person. I, I mentioned this on the show before, and I may have mentioned it to you, Ron, uh, on a prior conversation. When I was a kid, I used to get in a lot of trouble because I was curious how things worked. So I would take apart all of my parents' appliances, clock radios, televisions, record players, um, that didn't get me in trouble. What got me in trouble was I didn't have a great desire to put things back and, <laughs> or not completely. I'd always end up with, you know, the three or four extra screws and whatever. Screws, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think, um, was it Steve Jobs at a commencement address, maybe at Stanford? Uh, or someone said this, you know, stay curious, you know. And, yeah, and, yeah. and I, I like working with people who want to understand, even if it's not important, 
uh, specifically to what their job is. I like people who, who dig in deeper and get the meaning behind the meaning. Uh, how long are these courses? Why don't I let Jim comment since I've been talking quite a bit. <laughs> the the, the uh, process certification course is three days long. As, as Ron described, it's about a day and a half, a day and two thirds of um, review and teaching. Um, then um, the last two hours of the second day or an open book, a closed book exam. And then the entire um, third day is a, simply a review of everything we've covered, answering any questions. And then the students have like six or seven hours to complete the open book exam. So there's closed book and open book. Um, that, of course, you know, guarantees that someone has to have some level of retention um, or and or the ability to find the information uh, when they need it uh, in terms of the open book. Uh, is there a percentage? Do you calculate and, and track the percentage of people who pass the course uh, and, and fail the course? We have a pass might, rate yeah. between 85 and 90 percent. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. taken some, uh, over the years, I've taken some what I'll call lightweight courses. Um, uh, and um, just to fill in some, some knowledge, um, not with SMTA, by the way. And, um, you know, I, those courses I was all but guaranteed to pass because, you know, when you take the quiz, particularly an online course, you know, it'll ask you A, B, C, or D. And if you choose C, it'll say like, no, try again. <laughs> so yeah, within, yeah, within yeah. four tries, you're going to get the right answer. Yeah. Everyone passes. Everyone gets a medal, that type of thing. Which, I think Ron should talk about the philosophy of the open book test because he yeah, created yeah. it. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah, th th this is this is very important, um, it, not only for the SMTA certification that we're talking about today, but for the green belt. And then uh, I have a complete uh, Lean Six Sigma program at Dartmouth where we give yellow belts, green belts, black belts, and even master black belts, which is what Jim got. And I discussed it in the very beginning that all of our exams would be problem-solving exams, not multiple choice. And so you have to solve problems. And I just feel passionate about that because um, of the whole multiple choice concept. One of the reasons I think a lot of places do that, even even organizations like American Society for Quality, I believe, has a, a, a multiple choice test to get a black belt. Uh, I, I just, you know, when the assembly line is down, God does not have a, a, a tablet come from on high and say, uh, what, what's the problem? Is it A, B, C, or D? You've, you've got to really be able to solve problems. And so uh, that is one of the reasons the open book test takes six to seven hours because it is a problem-solving test. The closed book test, we just feel it's got some simple calculations, but we, we, we uh, Jim and I and Phil talked about this a lot. We just didn't feel comfortable letting people have the title of a certified process engineer if they didn't just have some internal knowledge. You know, after the after the course, like what is the approximate melting temperature of, of sack solder? Th those kind of things. We just felt it it isn't right for someone to be certified if they don't carry with them a, a certain amount of knowledge in their head. Yeah, that's true. And these this day and age, you know, you date yourself when you use phrases like this day and age. Uh, but yeah. but certainly uh, in modern times, uh, it's not how much we know; it's how how quickly we can get the answer. And there are a host of resources these days. Um, to um, to get those answers and knowing where to turn is, is certainly um, um, valuable in its own right. 
whether you have the answer yeah. in, in, instantly or in, in a minute or two, it really, you know, that part doesn't really matter as long as you have access and you know how to get the answer and you know what questions to ask. Uh, what, walk me through, I know there's a couple of courses. Let's start with the uh, SMTA process uh, uh, certification course. Walk me through what that curriculum looks like. All right, very fundamentally, you know, this is the electronics industry. We build working electronic assemblies. Um, and then we talk about what a great industry it is. And then we do a, a general um, uh, overview of, of electronic components. Um, the, the, the different styles, and we do a general review of soldering. Um, then we go into the specific process steps in the sequence that they are typically occur in an assembly line, starting with, with um, solder paste, printing, and stencils. Um, and then we go into placement, then the different soldering um, operations, reflow, wave, and selective. Um, we do uh, dispensing and coding. We do a test. Um, and then we do a line optimization. Um, so that's pretty much the, the curriculum. Did I forget anything, Ron? No, oh, that sounds good. Excellent. Um, I lost my place here. Excellent. Where, where does one take this course? Is this uh, something that someone goes to a venue to take? Uh, I, I know it's offered at SMTAI. Is that the only choice? Can they, can they take it online? Uh, I would assume after a couple of years of COVID, uh, that may have been an option. Uh, can, can it be taken at their facility? Anyone, all of the above? We do not uh, do I, it uh, currently. Yeah. We're investigating that, but the difficulty with the exam has precluded us feeling comfortable doing that. Um, uh, all of the above, uh, sometimes a company will um, uh, have a dedicated uh, session uh, which they can contract with the SMTA for, where Ron or myself or somebody will go into their facility and, and uh, give the course to exclusively their personnel. Um, some, peop some companies will um, uh, uh, host it and open it to other people uh, from the industry in their area, but they have it in their facility. Uh, we do it at other trade shows. Um, some of the SMTA chapters have sponsored it for their membership and so forth. But typically, it's somewhere that, where you would go someplace to some venue to, to take the course. Outside of COVID, because everything's weird during COVID, but out in quote-unquote normal times, um, what exactly. would the average class size be? About 10, I would say. That's good. So there's a great ratio between instructor and, and student. Yes, it's, it's a chance to um, really get to know the students and um, hopefully to have a good communication uh, with them. Even with students sharing some of the specific knowledge that they have in particular areas, which is a, a very uh, exciting part of the class. I, I, I learn things from the students who are out there working on the, the cutting edge of certain process steps that I, I just haven't had that experience. We try to allow time for a certain amount of that, although we're, we're focused on the fundamentals. Teacher teaches the student, student teaches the teacher. Yeah, uh, yeah right. very good. Uh, the original course debuted you know, several years ago, right? When this, in seven, I think 2001 is when the idea was born. Is that, did I understand that correctly? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. 
So not much has changed in the electronics industry since 2001, tongue-in-cheek. Well, we had, uh, yeah, we, we, of course, had the big change from lead-free or leaded to lead-free. And uh, we make an effort, it's mostly been done by Jim, to keep up with, you know, things like, uh, I, I don't believe in 2001 bottom terminated components. If they even existed, they were very common, and now they're like 15% of, of of assembled parts. So, so we uh, take the program, and and as I said, Jim mostly does it, keeps it up to date. So I, I can only that. imagine, you know, all of a sudden we have a committee within the SMTA. Yeah, it's true a too. Yeah. Committee, and um, I, I, as I said, I honcho the curriculum most of the time, but we have. Um, people from various disciplines on the committee and they review any uh, uh, proposed changes and they will propose changes. And we debate about bringing new material in and, and um, letting older material, you know, uh, drop from the curriculum. So it's a continuous process where I think we're on revision 21 of the curriculum. Wow. Uh, So it's it's quite a dynamic course. Early on, some of those were major um, we decided uh, the initial course had no no information on surface finishes on PCB boards. And we said, wow, that's important. So we created a section, and that was a big revision. Right. Um, I can only imagine if, if I were a fly on the wall, you know, when QFNs were dropped from component heaven on, onto us, um, mm-hmm. there must have been a few phone calls made and, and some scrambling like, you know, oh, my God, what do we, what do, we do with this? You know, how, yeah. BGA, same thing, although BJs were probably around before before yeah, the they course wasn't uh, was uh, conceived, um, but yeah, uh, you guys went right through lead free. Uh, you're going through solder finishes. You're going through um, a stor- an historic uh, volume of miniaturization um, and bottom mm-hmm. terminated components. Um, IoT and automotive are probably game changers as well because mm-hmm. um, some of those have unique um, requirements uh, for reliable. Uh, uh, products to produce reliable products. So uh, I think uh, in terms of course development, um, you and your committee uh, really uh, will not run out of things to do in the near future. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So yeah, that's true. But, but we really, I really want to emphasize the fundamentals haven't changed. You know, the base right. information about soldering and, and um, uh, you know, placement and accuracies and so forth. The, the fundamentals aren't changed. We're just um, pushing them to, the, to, more, to greater and greater limits, basically smaller and smaller. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And that affects everyone in our industry. And then bring in the, uh, the newer things as they become predominant in the industry. We don't feel a need to uh, introduce a new technology when it is, in fact, a new technology. We, we provide, we like to say the students have the, uh, the background to deal with these new technologies because the new technologies keep coming. And, you know, you certify today and, you know, uh, you may not, you have to do, deal with something that is like BTCs that weren't available or weren't even invented at a point. But if you have the basics, the understanding of the interrelationships and the process uh, steps, then you are better prepared to deal with the inevitable new technologies that are part of our industry. Sure, the basics are the same. The procedures might vary, but the basics are, are still the same. Um, the evolution of the electronics industry seems to move as fast as electrons, right? We, it's a, a speed of light kind of industry. Uh, and while many things you teach are constant, i.e. 
the fundamentals, as, as you mentioned. Uh, many other challenges are added or changed, modified on a, on a regular basis. Is there such thing as a refresher course? Um, you know, keeping in mind uh, mental atrophies we talked about earlier. Um, if someone wants to be recertified, um, I don't know if the certification expires, but it, it, if it does, is there a recertification process, which is maybe a, a lighter course, or, or do they just take the whole course again? Um, Why don't you comment on that, Jim? Yeah, we have an, uh, a, a um, recertification course that um, is online, uh, and um, it does some of the things. Uh, it initially started um, uh, covering all the new things that have been changed in the curriculum since the early days, and so it's a, a rolling um, uh, curriculum. As, as new things are added to the curriculum, they become part of the refresher for people who took the course five or 10 or 15 years ago. Um, let's, let's switch gears a little bit um, and talk about the Lean Six Sigma Green Belt certification. Tell me what that course is all about. That is uh, pretty much what it sounds like if people are familiar with Lean Six Sigma. Um, it, it's teaching essentially optimizing processes and uh, it has two aspects to it. One is the, um, the mathematics, uh, to analyze the data that is collected. Uh, but it uses a basic, uh, what's called DMAIC approach, um, define, measure, analyze, uh, improve, and control. So we, we teach the students how to take processes in general, measure where they are, develop an improvement plan, execute the improvement plan, and then make sure you can control what you've improved. Uh, we focus on electronics assembly, but uh, Lean Six Sigma in general applies to broadly processes, not, not necessarily just SMT processes. So it, it started at our program here at Dartmouth. Uh, we developed a program and, and we also work with SMTA to uh, have the program. It, it isn't anywhere near as well subscribed to as the uh, Certification of Engineers program. So it's usually run maybe once a year at SMTAI. If I were a business owner, say for a contract assembler, or maybe even an OEM, um, I would want to send the majority of my operators to uh, a Lean Six Sigma class. Um, mm -hmm. Two things that are important. One is the fundamentals. Know how to uh, reliably solder a circuit board, to put things simply. And the other is to know how to do it efficiently, right? So, um, you know, one will get the job done, one will make you money or more money yeah, right, and allow you right. to be more competitive. Uh, I, I interviewed, um, I think sometime last year, um, the production manager from Matrix Group, which is a mid-sized contract manufacturer in the Northeast, and uh, Patrick Stimpert was his name. And he, uh, he was a big um, lean person, right? He's, he's very into lean. He, he invented his own version of lean. He called it lean in manufacturing. He even built a, mm -hmm. um, a figure eight production line rather than a linear production line uh, so mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. um, people wouldn't have to walk uh, from one part of the building so, to yeah, another, sure. you know, to get parts or, or et cetera. Um, he was like, he took lean to an extreme. Um, but he mentioned that in his, it's his belief that any North American contract manufacturer in this case um, could be competitive with any contract manufacturer anywhere in the world, uh, particularly Asia, um, if they lean themselves out. Um, because equipment costs the same no matter where in the world you are. Um, people 
that the cost of people varies, um, but with a very lean process, a very efficient process, a super optimized process, um, you don't need as many people. So it, it all kind of comes out in the wash. And, and uh, his contention is that North American manufacturers can be exactly as competitive, if not more, uh, through lean processes. So I see that as a huge value. And I, I see the lean, um, uh, the, the uh, Lean Six Sigma Greenbelt program um, may be more attractive to managers and corporate types um, because there's definitely an ROI on that. Right. Um, right. I want to stop and go back to process. In the process certification, we covered what we consider to be two of the major uh, sources of inefficiency in, uh, in the specifically the SMT assembly process, and that is line balancing the placement machines and dealing dealing quantitatively with downtime. Uh, everybody knows that these are that or downtime or the, the, the positive side utilization of, of your capacity is really important. It's one of the things I believe that can make us competitive, as you're talking about. If we could uh, just be more productive, keep our lines running and running more efficiently. And we, we address two of those specifically in the process um, course. And then again, is balancing multiple placement machines them typically being the gate of your line or the, the slowest machine. So optimizing those and quantitatively measuring and, and doing some simple calculations with downtime, all these little sources of downtime that add up to 50, 60, 70% loss of, loss of capacity, loss of utilization in our lines. And uh, um, this is some of the math that Ron was talking about that we do. And it's not complex. It's simple algebra in most cases. A um, little bit of geometry, and um, it, we feel it gives the students a really good uh, picture of um, uh, these inefficiencies and how to put some simple numbers on them and do some simple calculations to um, to understand the, the impact they're having on your uh, overall productivity and your bottom line. In the 15 minutes or so we have left, um, before we turn uh, our topic over to our, our graduate students here, um, who've been waiting patiently. Um, let me ask you, do you, are you aware of how people get to take the course? Is it, is it uh, the desire of the student? Does the student go to management and say, hey, I want to take this course? Or does management direct the students to take this course? Um, uh, or do you have any feel for that? It's, it's, it's both of those. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Who, who want to do it, they want to have the credential personally um, so they can have a better bargaining chip with the company they're at or they can have a, something on their resume if they want to change jobs. Um, and then there are um, people like your friend who appreciate the value of this and are sending their um, uh, a number or some number of their people um, to the course and sponsor it, and some of them to the point of sponsoring it in-house. Well, it's a perfect question, actually, for our, our two students uh, of this course, uh, Claire and Tom. Uh, what drove you to the courses? Was it your idea? Were, was it suggested that you go? I can, I can start. Uh, it was definitely, it was suggested. Um, I think, depending on the department overall, we've definitely encouraged 
our uh, people in various departments to take this course, uh, ranging from those who actually provide technical support to customers and work on the lines regularly, in addition to those who may be in far greater specializations um, and therefore might not know the background or the history and the context of SMT overall. Uh, and so even on both those spectrums, those of us uh, who might be a little bit more customer facing uh, will often say, oh yes, make sure to, to get put me on the list for the next time there's enough interest in the SMTA course because it does add to our credentials and it does improve our overall knowledge uh, when interacting with some less familiar areas. And then uh, in, in the cases where we have specialists that you know, might not be familiar with the breadth of SMTA, it's also something very much the company encourages uh, to make sure they have the background to then uh, carry with them to those specialized areas of, of work. And what course did you take, Claire? I took the SMTA certification, engineering certification course. Right. And, and what is your role at Indium? So I'm a product development specialist. I focus on solder paste. So it was uh, rather a, a good fit. I definitely had some uh, useful things to learn in regards to the wave soldering process and the line balancing. Uh, although we do provide you know, some technical support to, to customers, not generally online balancing. So both of those are valuable uh, things to include uh, for me personally. Excellent. And Tom, uh, what course did you take? I took the SMT process certification, and um, actually it was driven by me, myself. I actually sought out to take the course, and um, it was actually given back in 2012 at Kimball Electronics, and it was all the um, engineers who went to the course. Uh, so when it was coming around this time, about a year out, I said, I want to be included in this course here. And I work within the quality group, so um, you know when I knew as the course was coming up, I actually um, actually sought out and obtained an older revision of the SMTA uh, certification uh, booklet, and I spent about a year just um, reviewing it. You know, after working on the floor, uh, running experiments, um, I really wanted to review the material right there and prepare ahead of time. Um, so, you know, when the course um, came up right there, I already prepared ahead of time, but also. During the course, I went home at night, actually studied the materials there. And um, I just gained a lot of knowledge. I thought it was great. Um, you know, you get a lot from experience, but also the fundamentals. You know, what's the fundamentals? Line balancing was a key one right there, too. Um, the exercise we had is, you know, you're designing, a, you're designing an assembly. What type of uh, circuit board finish you're going to use based on the conditions you're going to be selling it at, too? So great experience. I mean, like I said, I think... I really highly recommend it to all um, quality process engineers and even, like I said, supplier quality. You know, I highly recommend the course there. How much of what you took away uh, from the course was old knowledge, long forgotten? And how much was new knowledge? Was there a balance there? Was there a, like in percentage terms? I think there was balance about, you know, maybe about um, 40, maybe about 30 to 40% maybe lost over time right there. So I think about that percentage there. And Claire and Tom, how, after taking this course, how has that um, landed in your career? Um, you know, obviously you, you took it, Claire, you took it while you were at Indium and, and you know, you're still at the same company, Tom. Um, uh, and, uh, but how has it um, affected your day-to-day -day 
responsibilities? Has it has it uh, rocked your world? Has it has it uh, provided subtle uh, improvements in terms of process knowledge and and your comfort level with uh, perhaps things you weren't as comfortable with? Uh, give me some examples of how the course has benefited uh, your your uh, career and your day-to-day activities within your, your job? So I took the course more recently, right, so if you want to take that on. <laughs> Go ahead, Claire, and then we'll get to Tom. Okay. I was about to say, I took the course far more recently, so uh, it hasn't necessarily had the time to have the same level of effect. Uh, but I, I do find the additional comfort with the history. Um, for example, you might know the different component types and know our you know, internal recommendations and trends, but understanding the whys and how we got to our uh, current set of options and our current set of materials and components uh, has has definitely been an improvement, understanding the narrative of, of SMT progress. Excellent. And Tom, I think I may have cut you off. Or, or was that Jim? Someone was going to say something. That's fine. Sure, sure. Well, right after the course, probably about six months, um, I got pulled into a problem that um, a group was actually um, trying to work on, and it was um, excess voiding in a, one of our high uh, volume automotive assemblies. And um, I got pulled into it, and they were kind of, you know, working around it. And I started um, said, okay, what's the using, of course, the measurements, how much voiding we have, what's the upper spec. But then we got into the analysis where we had a fishbone diagram. And from the course, one of the things I asked is looking at is, well, um, based on the solder pace, um, do we have um, room for um, more soak time in the oven? Because looking at what causes voiding um, insufficient soak time in the oven. And one of the engineers on the team says, yes, we do. We can extend it by about um, nine seconds. Um, one of the other things, too, was um, cause avoiding excess solder paste. So I said, is there other stencil designs you can use to reduce the aperture size in different shapes throughout? We did an experiment there. And by doing both um, scenarios, um, you know, it, you know um, increasing the soak time in the oven, uh, redesigned the stencil to reduce the aperture size there, actually went from avoiding averaging of 20% down to 12% there. So it made a really big impact. I mean, from a savings perspective, because if we had um, – um, one void on the on the shop order, um, the entire shop order had to go through x-rays. You can imagine how that backed up your capacity right there, too. So I, re- I really put it to use right there. Really, really good. Excellent. And uh, Ron and Jim, I'm sure you've heard stories like that from your students uh, sure. after they graduate. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Yeah, excellent. Um, let's go back to uh, Ron and Jim uh, as we as we conclude. Uh are there any more certification? I mean, besides the constantly evolving uh, certification courses, the two courses that are offered now, is there any talk of any additional uh, courses in, in the works? Well, I think Jim Jim mentioned there is the follow up uh, after you've been certified for a while, but uh, there I, I don't know of anything beyond that. Do you, Jim? Uh, some people would like to see a more advanced course. Uh, covering the the latest and greatest on uh, BTCs and and so forth from a process standpoint. Well, there you go. But we have not acted upon that yet. Yep. Well, there's always the future. Um, yep. Before I say thank you to everyone, I want to let our audience know how they can get more information on this uh, on this course. Uh, if you simply go to smta.org 
uh, hover over the uh, technical or the knowledge base um, and choose uh, certification courses, you'll see an entire page dedicated to it. It'll answer a lot of the questions you might have, including who should take it uh, and um, what the prerequisites are. Um, it'll give some testimonials of students who have taken the course, and it'll even tell you how much the course costs. Of course, it's uh, less money if you're a member, another reason to join SMTA. Uh, and, um, but it's not limited to just SMTA members. It's available for everybody. Um, so, um, Dr. Ron, Jim, Claire, Tom, thank you so much for being my guest today. Anything to add before we, uh, before we get out of here? I think you did it. I, I think you I guys did it. Anything. Excellent. Very well, yeah. um, uh, Ron and, and, uh, Jim, and I think Phil Zaro was part of the, uh, uh part yes, of the group as yes. well. Um, yes. and the committee, uh, you know, the, the folks behind the curtain, uh, that are, um, making important decisions about what's in this course and what isn't in this course um, and what needs to be in the course in the future. Uh, thank you all for the work you do. I think it's an extremely valuable uh, asset uh, to an SMTA member uh, to be able to uh, access courses like this. Uh, and again, as the owner of a manufacturing company, um, I, I'm, I'm pro-education. I think it's an excellent investment uh, that any company can make in their employees, uh, not just to for the benefit of the employee, but I think that benefit rolls uphill uh, and, and uh, benefits the company itself. Uh, and that can be seen on the bottom line, either in building more reliable assemblies or building more reliable assemblies more efficiently. Um, so uh, kudos to all of you. Um, and Claire and Tom, thanks for agreeing to share your experience with this uh, course. Um, and um, uh, Claire, you probably have a little bit of time before you need to take a refresher. Tom, it might be time for a refresher, so sign up. And uh, um, I'm sure that you get some extra credit for being on this uh, on this show, talking about the uh, certification process. So thank you, everyone, again, for being my guest today. And uh, I'll look forward to uh, seeing you now that the world's opening back up again. I uh, hope to see you all at the next, uh, next conference or convention or uh, wherever it takes us. Thanks thank for you. having us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening or watching the Reliability Matters podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so many more. Also, be sure to check out my other podcasts, including the Concept to Creation podcast, where I feature conversations with entrepreneurs within the electronic assembly space, and the Innovations and Technology podcast, where we discuss innovative products within our industry. All three shows are also available in video format. Check out the Reliability Matters or Concept to Creation or Innovations in Technology podcasts on YouTube. Just search the show's name and you can find all three shows. Or go to MikeConrad.com. That's Conrad with the K. All three shows also appear there. Again, thanks for being part of my podcast family. I appreciate you being here. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay happy. And of course, keep doing it right. See you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Reliability Matters podcast. Join us on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month for new episodes of Reliability Matters.